the amount of variability that people think they need is way overboard. So like you hear this bullshit about like muscle confusion, like stuff that's like, oh, who invented this? <laughs> Thanks, P90X. Who is this? Scientist. Yeah, scientist, <laughs> muscle confusion. It's, it's just a way of entertaining people. And they think, but what I see happen a lot is that when there's too much variability in the program, no one's ever getting better at those qualities. And they're mixing things up so much that they're not allowing their body to mature and adapt with those movements. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Dr. Emily Kybert here for Muscle Medicine. Today we sit down with Don Saladino, the performance expert and owner of Drive 495 down in Soho, New York. He is among the nation's most sought-after exercise authorities. Don is known for getting the superstars ready for their superhero roles on the big screen, including Scarlett Johansson, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, and Hugh Jackman. Don currently serves as the Chief Science Officer of Playbook App, a video marketplace where influencers can share their latest workouts and tips with users. Through the Playbook App, Don currently shares his own programs and those of his celebrity clientele while engaging with an international audience under the hashtag SuitUpWithDon. We sit down with Don today to talk about what are the qualities of a great trainer, how trainers should be leveling up in their approach to working with their clients, and how he got ready for his photo shoot for the muscle and fitness cover. If you feel like muscle medicine is adding value, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate and review. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this episode. Don Saladino, so great to sit down face to face. Amazing to be here. You're like my downtown brother <laughs> I love to like you. my uptown. I love, I love it. I love sister. sister. Let's go. <laughs> you have this gorgeous 15,000 square foot space, and just walking through it, it's just, it's functional, functional. Ooh, they're doing strength. It's amazing. It's pretty looking, but like move weight, like get strong, you know, pull weight off the floor, drop weight. I don't care. This isn't planet fitness. Like we want smart training. That's what it's about. Yeah. How did it all begin? College athlete. Once it didn't work out after college baseball, I just, I, I just had this, this love for training and, and learning. And I just, it's like, I could sit down and read magazines and manuals for like days. You, you know, you just become so passionate about it. So at the time, it was 1999. I, you know, I wasn't really hearing much about personal trainers. There was a couple certifications out there. It was just, you know, and then I just decided to become one, and that was it. It was just, it's just like holy shit. It was like this epiphany. I was like, oh my god, this is what God put me on earth to do. I just love working with people, and I love training myself, and I love learning and going to lectures and just sitting through this stuff like a big gym dork. And it's just been something I've been able to just continually just get better at every day of my life for the last 19 years. And that's why I love it so much. I feel like great trainers, like really high level trainers have two qualities. They always stay curious mm -hmm. and they are always walking their own talk. Like they're always trying things on their own body before they try it with a client. Yeah. You know, there's things now that I'm learning that you could have taught me 15 years ago and I just wasn't ready to learn. 
You know, it's like, can a 25 year old train someone in their fifties? Of course, but there's just certain things that you have to go through as you get older and you start understanding what stress really does to the body. You understand? Like it's one thing at 25, if I'm sitting down with a client who's twice my age and can I really have a conversation with them on stress? Like the answer is no. Like I didn't run a business at the time. I haven't lost loved ones. You know, I haven't seen people close to me get sick. I haven't almost lost my business yet. All these things that you got to wake up and you got to grind through and push through and you start seeing what effects that plays on your body. And there's just certain things that I don't care what manual you read. You need to go through things to really be able, as you said, walk the walk. Yeah, absolutely. You almost lost the business? Oh, yeah. This place had a tough time for a while. Really? Yeah. So we started in 05, 06, primarily with golf and golf fitness. 07, 08, when Lehman Brothers tanked and Bear Stearns tanked. And at the time, we were like five grand a year. And we were very golf heavy and we're very corporate event heavy. But we're running corporate events up here at the time. You know, you're netting 10 grand a night. You're hosting a three-hour event. You're exposing this beautiful gym to you know, 50 people at a clip. And the next thing you know, it's, that's gone. So we had to recreate ourselves. We got ourselves in the debt because of it. It was either that or close the club and, you know, it took us years to climb out of that. But, you know, now because of digital and because of my exposure out there and with, you know, specific publications and, you know, just grinding and hitting the pavement and understanding marketing, really becoming true to marketing. And a lot of coaches aren't, they just want to coach and they want to take a billion certifications and courses and, and I love it and do it. But you also got to step out of your body and say to yourself, what, what's going to make me succeed in business and in life? And what am I lacking? And is it really taking another, is it really taking a level eight, like, like FMS? Like the answer is no, like go take it. I understand it, but start putting your time into things that you may not be good at. And that's why even with a lot of my talks now, you know, go speaking for the NSCA or perform better when I'm doing it on digital marketing, like I'm going down to Instagram's headquarters today. Again, like I got, I got a meeting with them at three o'clock because I'm continuing to learn and be, I feel like becoming someone that probably knows more than most people in the fitness industry when it comes down to digital marketing. And it's been really good for me. Was the recreation during 07 and 08, was that recreation mainly moving to digital platform or was there other components? There was other components. So I didn't move to digital until, and I won't even say Instagram, I wasn't even doing Instagram at the time, but I started a company called Driven back in 2010, 2009. I mean, I'm starting to forget. And I, I got funding from members here and I, I went into partnerships with Adrian Peterson, the Minnesota Vikings, Dwayne Wade of the Miami Heat, and Ernie Ells, who's a Hall of Fame golfer. And I created these apps, these like lifestyle, these curated apps that show their training and their drills. So like Ernie Ells would be hitting every club in the bag and showing all these different shots. And we went down and it was this like Spielberg production where it's like 50 grand a day and we're shooting and, we, and it, it exploded out of the gate. It was like we went to number one in the app store for two straight weeks like we're literally globally like our, our apps are number one in the app store and we're like holy shit what are we gonna do with all this money and then we just see it hit this peak and just kind of wrote it down and it was whole time i'm like i don't get it i don't get it i don't get it like why like we didn't really understand it until years later and then i understood that social media is all about engagement yeah and you don't have to have the best product you don't have to put in the spielberg for production the video doesn't have to look perfect it doesn't it shouldn't it really doesn't it, it, yeah it, it, and it shouldn't a lot of times it comes off being unauthentic and people want to see the posts that do best for me are the ones that you know are, are just 
me being me and it's like fine it's a weird cam- camera angle fine there's a huge set on my face fine like <laughs> my nose is like crooked like this like i don't care and right. that's kind of i think what's the relatability to people when everything's got to be like you know pop collar and it's perfect people roll their eyes and they're like this is bullshit this isn't like no one's gonna live their life like this 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 woman always looks perfect the lighting's always perfect and i kind of roll my eyes to that a little bit What's your hashtag? I use suit up with Don for guys, tone up with Don for women, real, real original. And uh, the hashtag superhero training. Those are kind of like my three hashtags. My best hashtag is my training on Broadway one. That's the one that does the best. I mean, those videos I put up, like kill it. So it's, nice. I, I, I just started this idea. I want to say like five years ago where I, I was on Broadway one day and I started doing get ups and with like a woman, I start doing like Turkish get-ups with a woman. And like you were holding the woman. Yeah. So yes. I want to do a Turkish get-up yeah. with a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it on Broadway. And I'm like, my knees are bleeding everywhere. And <laughs> people are like, why are you doing this? And I put it up there and it like ripped, like the, the post did incredible. And I was like, yeah, wow. You know what? It wasn't anything serious. It was just me having fun. So let me go out and do stupid stuff. So probably every week to two weeks, I, I do a different theme, like crazy stuff. Like I'm in the aisle of Dwayne Reed running and I've got a guy handing me groceries to like put away <laughs> or like I'm doing pull-ups off a light pull or I'm pushing a cab down the street calling it sled pushes or just stupid stupid stuff but it's it's funny I'm, I'm just trying to tell people listen we can be the smartest coach I get that I understand that but make things relatable to people like allow them to have fun with their training yeah and via social you also are like taking people's questions and answering them yeah. from the sauna sometimes I do it from the sauna a lot I love multitasking <laughs> and I love my sauna I bought a sauna an infrared sauna for my house but I uh you know I, I just why not like I, I've got a couple hours a day where I train it in and train it out if someone's you know nice enough to follow my journey and ask me questions and I should be nice enough to be able to give them an answer yeah what's your online platform playbook is my um that's my like bread and butter app got it I've got an app right now on donsaldino.com that's filling an Android ver- uh, void until I launch my Android platform. Got it. So right now I have iOS up on my Playbook app and Android's going to be coming probably in the next three months. We had to perfect iOS first because if you go and troubleshoot on two different platforms at the same time, it's a disaster. So I people look, well, 60% of the world runs Android. I'm like, I get it. I understand it. iOS is more popular where there's the lowest hanging fruit for me. We got to figure out the platform. And then once we know it, then we can just repeat it on Android. It's much easier. Yeah. And then is it programming? Yeah. So it's, I, I got to be I'm, I'm very proud of this one. This is I'm actually way more proud of this than what I did with Driven because Driven was really around what the athletes do. This is a $9.99 subscription a month. I give women their program, men their program. Why do I have two two different programs? Because people just aren't ready for one program yet. Could I run one program with both men and women? Absolutely. So we go a little more arm heavy on on, on an optional day or there might be a little bit more things in there that are going to make, I think, some women a little uneasy. So I run two different platforms and, you know, it's basically a six-week contest. It's our, our next contest launches September 3rd. I'll run a six-week contest with my partners on running Garden of Life Sport Line and Epicured. We give away over $1,000 in cash and prizes to the male winner and the female winner. And we do that every two months indefinitely. So for $9.99 a month, you get your program for the next six weeks. You get your diet indefinitely and you get bonus workouts and you get Q&A with me. So you can literally sit there and ask me questions and myself and my team answers everything. Nice. It sounds so personalized. It is. It's, it's, there's not a product like that out there. It really is. It's uh, inexpensive. We're, we're, I think we're going to actually start with a year. Um, we've been doing month to month. We're going to bump the month to month up 
We're going to grandfather everyone else in. I've been in beta already. I mean, this has basically been beta the last you know, almost a year and it's we're at, we're at over like 1100 members. So which nice. is, which is pretty cool. So we're going to, we're going to launch this full program and then we're going to really start advertising it and marketing it. So nice. And then the winners are the ones that have the greatest transformation, the yeah, most engagement, both. So um, transformation has something to do with it, but for me, it's as much about an external transformation as it is internal. So when I hear someone, you know, come from, you know, injury or come from a really dark place and they're engaging and they're showing a really positive attitude and, um, yeah, there's some type of external transformation. Great. But I'm almost more interested in what it does to people internally and how they've grown from it. I think it's, you know, this world has become so aesthetic where it's all about what you look like with your shirt off. But what happens to the guy who's coming in at 150 pounds that doesn't really need to lose much fat? What if he, you know, gave up drinking and quit smoking and started healing his body internally and now isn't brought asleep from four hours a night to eight hours a night? Like, wow, like, oh my God, this person, we just added years to their life. Why are we validating that person who just dropped 30 pounds from dehydrating themselves over the last two months? Right. Like what's more healthy? So yeah, I'm kind of playing by my own rules a little bit. But hey, listen, that to me, that's what health is. And that's why, you know, I look at what I do in the industry as being, you know, someone who's, you know, pretty good at what they do when it comes down to not only strength and conditioning, but focusing on the person internally. So I'm trying to kind of lead by example and teach people that if we focus on cleaning things up internally, the external end of it becomes really easy. Yeah. What other kind of mental transformations do you see? So for example, in the clinic, we see a lot of people who look at a kettlebell and they give it the side eye. And right. They're like, I'm not picking that up. And they're really, and sometimes it's just like their background, like they've always done yoga or they've always done bar. And like trying to shift that perspective is sometimes a challenge. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do they always quantify success? That's my question. So I think most people will go in and they only quantify success from a sweat. Mm, and yeah. they're the ones who are not seeing any progress. So, I mean, you got to go after the lowest hanging fruit. If someone's coming in and their bodies don't feel right, I get their bodies to feel really good. If I allow them to follow the rules and the laws that I'm having them live by, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm the police here, but listen, no, I still want them to drink alcohol and enjoy life and have a piece of cake or you have some pizza. Like they should be able to still do these things, but let's, let's cut it down and let's structure it a little bit. So yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're going to get people in here. Well, I've hurt my back on squats. Well, I could be that trainer right now who has an ego and is like, well, not on my watch. Like I should be able to fix their squat up. I'll do that, but I won't go and attack it the first day. I'll screen them. I'll see if there's any red flags. If there's a red flag, I'll send them to, uh, to Charlie or Kyle. And at that point, I just want to build their confidence. Will I get them squatting? Sure, I will. Am I throwing a bar on their back the first day? Absolutely not. It's just not what I do. You know, maybe it'll be some body weight or, or whatever it is, but you got to build confidence in people. If someone's coming in and they're relating success to the Barry's bootcamp class, then fine. Like that's what they felt successful with. I'm not going to sit there and try and bash Barry's or bash CrossFit. I'm going to show them what I do. I'm going to show them what I'm very confident with. I'm going to show them that training should be enjoyable and try and figure out a way to blend in a little bit of that effect into my training program and get them to feel successful and want them to come back for more. And for me, that's what it's about. Yeah. Where do you typically, so a new client comes in, where do you start them? Like what kind of tools? Screening. So I mean, first thing we do is we'll sit down, we'll have like a 10 minute conversation and why you're here. Like, yeah. you know, are you injured? Are you, if you're injured, we're going to Charlie. No, you know what? I, I got to get moving. I got to lose weight. You know, I'm just, you know, my body's bothering me a little bit, whatever it is. At that point, I'll put them through a screening. If there's any red flags, they go off to Charlie, who's the boss in my book. 
And then it's, you know, trying to connect with that person and give them a good training session to where they enjoy coming back. I really have to understand also who am I dealing with when, when they come in? Like, I hate training. I don't like it. I always, anytime I go over 45 minutes, I just hate it. I'm bored. And I try and build confidence. I'm like, all right, you hate 45 minutes then let's go for 35. Like, let's just, let's allow you to leave their feeling successful. The first session is going to be easy. I always tell them like, we're going to build you up to a point where don't worry, like we're going to be working. So I think the great thing that I've always done with people is they've always left feeling successful. That's great. Yeah. It's like been my kind of saying. Nice. Do you find that people, especially maybe the New Yorkers come in and they're like used to just killing it, killing it, killing it? Yeah. I mean, I also think it helps, you know, I got to be, and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but I also think it helps me being in good shape. People see me on the cover of muscle and fitness or see me do some strong lifts and whatever. So they know, I think when they come in and they see that it doesn't always have to be this Rocky type scale of one to 10, let's run it at 11. The people I see do that all the time. And I listen, I used to do that when I started. It was like, let's go in and try and absolutely murder my body for the next hour and a half, two hours. And I just found that there's a time and place for that. And I still like training hard. I still like getting a little crazy, but my body gets in a better shape taking a different approach. Yeah. And my goal is not to kill the person. It's for them to see success. Yeah. When you were training for the cover of Muscle and Fitness, mm-hmm. what did that look like? You know, it, to be honest with you, it really didn't change that much. It didn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. It, it didn't change much. I mean, my training throughout the year will change. Like I'll run training blocks of anywhere from like one to four months. So, um, if I'm doing a work capacity program, it might be three to four weeks. If I'm doing a powerlifting program, it could be three to five months, like right around that range, yeah. roughly no more, no more than four, but I'll commit to a specific program and I'll act like that's the be all end all. And you know what? When I'm done with it, if my interest lies somewhere else, I go to where my interest lies. I mean, I could be coming off like a very strict powerlifting West Side program and the next thing just go to return of the kettlebell after that. Just out of like, just kind of like, oh, I'm feeling like wherever the gut's taking you. Yeah, because I, I want it to be fun. And yeah. there's so many different aspects that are ways that I like to train that, you know, right now I'm doing full bodies every day. I'm doing full bodies, you know, five, six days a week. And I'm taking 15 RMs and I'm running them for 10 reps where I typically all year long, I'm probably running more like, you know, threes, fives. I like going heavy. But yeah. right now, like, you know, I took the first two weeks of the month off, which I never do. And I told, I was talking to Charlie about it. We rescreened me. Screening looked pretty good. A couple things kind of fell off a little bit and we're like, let's just run, let's run tens for the next, you know, two, three weeks. And you know, it's just, it's, it's smart training. It it just, my my body feels great. And for me, that's what it's about. Why did you choose to take two weeks off? Because I God, I didn't take a week off in the last. Uh, some people hear that crashing. That's someone deadlifting Dead down lifts. there. So enjoy the noise. That's a very that's a very uh, good noise there. I took just because because I, I haven't in a while. I had some travel coming up. I knew that you know I always overreach, and I and I probably love this a little too much to where I do believe even if your body's feeling good, you should scale back. You need to give your mind a little bit of a break. You need to go out and eat some burgers and have some, and drink a couple <laughs> beers and just detach yourself from it. Give your joints a little bit of a break. And, and I do believe in that. So, um, I decided to take a week at the end of the week. I wasn't dying to get back. I knew it'd be great for me to do another week. I did another week and now I'm running this and I, you know, I haven't really been doing, I haven't been doing too much meal prep. I normally meal prep all year long, probably for the next week, not going to do meal prep. I mean, I, I'll prep like two meals a day and the other meals I'll get from like a healthy fridge that we have here and uh, which is fantastic. But I do know that it gets very motivating when you end up coming back from a little holiday and you got that focus and it's time to jump in. So. You've talked about 
the minimal effective dose mm-hmm. when you're training clients. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? For a lot of reasons. I mean, there's so many external stressors in, in our life that we just don't pay attention to. I think everyone thinks training is what's going to fix everything and it can fix a bunch, but you know, the first two questions I really ask, ask someone is how's your sleep? How's your digestion? You know, adding and after that, I might start looking at nutrition, but I got to get a grasp for what's going on there. There's so much stress going on in people's life with lack of sleep and alcohol and all this other junk that the training can just turn into such a negative if we're not paying attention to those other things. If someone's coming into me and they're bodybuilding and they're getting on stage and all right, we've got a specific focus to work on. Like you're someone who's going to be judged on how wide their delts are and how thin their waist is and things become a lot different, but coming in and doing a minimal dosage and giving someone that training effect in 45 minutes and hitting it hard, but hitting it smart and adapting to that individual day in and day out and listening to what their nervous system's telling them and listening to what their body's telling me. That's huge. I think that's enabling us to feel successful every day in and day out rather than coming in and like, unfortunately, I'm going to insult some trainers out there. No, you're tired. Push through it. No bullshit. You're tired. Your body needs to rest and recover. They're either going to get injured. They're going to get in a worse shape. They're going to come back the next couple of sessions. They're going to feel even worse. Do a recovery day, like break a sweat, work on your mobility. Like you just flew on a plane for 18 hours. Like you're dehydrated and you haven't slept. Your wife was just yelling at you. Chill out, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Relax. So that's gone a long way for me. I think that's a big key in terms of just being a, a great trainer is you come in maybe with a program in mind and not really pushing the client into the box that you had them in and just meeting them where they're at. hundred percent. Yeah. It was, couldn't, I couldn't have said that any better it's, it's myself. So, it's so hard though sometimes. I mean, Deviate <laughs> off the plan. Like the, when, I, when I started in this business at Drive, I remember I was working with some tour players and I'm trying to plan the year and I'm going through blocks from month to month and peaking and like... All right, great. We're in month four and Keegan Bradley just got sick for two weeks and I'm making that. I mean, I, I did train Keegan for five years, but you know, he got sick for two weeks and what are we, what are we not breaking the plan now? Like, wh- like, why are we setting up? Like, no, like I'll set a plan up in my mind and I'll, I'll sign the months and we're, we're talking about how are you feeling and what's going on in your body. And nine out of 10 times, we got to adjust that plan. It's just life. Just yeah. things happen. Like your, your mom gets sick you know, you're away from your family, you know, suddenly you catch a bug and you're in Malaysia. Like, give me a break. Come on, dude. Like, what am I going to get mad at you that you're not pulling a max three today? Like, it's ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life, but people just, I don't understand. They don't, they don't see that. Yeah. How important do you think variability is in a program? So I think of myself, I love kettlebells and sometimes it's like so easy. Like I love to swing and press and get up. And I know I should do the squats and I know I should do more lunges. And it's it, funny. Very, very, I think variability is more important for the mind. Mm. You know, I, I really like, if I look at my training throughout the year, like I squat and I deadlift a lot. I press a lot. Now it might all look different. Like if I'm running twenties, if I'm running singles, <laughs> if I'm doing six second negatives, am I board pressing? Am I chain pressing? Am I, you know, I mean, but it's all like the movements, I've seen a lot of success from training a lot of the same movements, but I do know after months that it is good. All right, dude, we we did a lot of horizontal pressing. If my body allows me to do it, let's go overhead a lot more now and let's, you know, get a lot more pull-ups in the program. And let's, so I do believe it should be in there, but to answer the question, the amount of variability that people think they need is way overboard. So like, 
you hear this bullshit about like muscle confusion, like stuff that's like, oh, who invented this? <laughs> Thanks, P90X. Who is this scientist? Yeah, scientist, muscle confusion. <laughs> it's, it's just a way of entertaining people. And they think, but what I see happen a lot is that when there's too much variability in a program, no one's ever getting better at those qualities. And they're mixing things up so much that they're not allowing their body to mature and adapt with those movements. And when I feel like when's the, the right time to move on, I always say when it's like when you're not getting stronger in that range, whatever that rep range is, or when you start getting bored and you start rolling your eyes like, oh, God, I got to back squat again today. But okay, fine. Like we've just back squatted for eight weeks. You don't like front squatting? How about a Frankenstein squat? How about a Zercher squat? How about a double bell squat? How about a goblet squat? You know, you you're, you got a lot of mobility in your body. How about some sod pressing? Like there's so many different ways that we can go into it where we still get that lift in. We still get that movement, but we're challenging the body a little bit differently. I feel like that's important. Do I need to mix it up every day? The answer is no. Yeah. I, I think especially scrolling through Instagram, you can see all these different versions and variabilities. And it's like, how about we just dial in the form in listen i'm victim of it i'm victim of it i'm doing this don 365 thing where 365 days this year i put up a new movement so i'm trying to show that there's a lot of variety out there do i believe that i can put someone on a knee dominant a hip dominant an upper push an upper pull a carry an anti-rotational core whatever and have those six movements and they can get into amazing shape yes Yes, times 10. Like, focus on getting really good at those and watch what happens to the, the human body. Does it still drive me nuts when I see people like squatting on BOSU balls? Yeah, <laughs> yes. it does. Like, like, all right, fine. If you're Laird Hamilton and you want to go do, you know, squats, fine. Do, what I, do I agree to put them on there? Like, no. Like, what happened to the one legged squat to a box? What happened to a pistol? Like, get good at those. Like, why do we have to? You surf, dude. Like, I don't need to throw you on a BOSU ball. There's just certain things that I believe that, that are aren't really needed. But again, that's my opinion. Well, I think especially as a trainer and really any trainer who's putting them in the public spotlight, I feel like we have a civil duty to put out there form that is on point, that is not potentially dangerous. I feel like we have a duty to do that. We have an obligation for a higher level of quality to answer your question. Yes. But it's, it's kind of unfortunate. If you look at the people who are most successful in the fitness, there's different ways to measure success. Is it someone like me who's got a business and is affiliated with some really powerful brands and is doing really well in that sense? And but I only have 150,000 followers on Instagram, and you're looking at another guy who might have three million followers, and all he puts up is him jumping over his Audi A8 and jumping rope or whatever it might be. Like so, what's that's what's entertaining? People are relating to that. He's got 3 million followers. Great. Awesome. And he's able to monetize a product. So I think a lot of people out there are doing the best with what they have given to them. But there are so many good coaches out there that are not under the spotlight. Like I've got coaches in here that like I got coaches in here that I would have write me programs. I think they're so good. Yeah. And no one knows who they are. And to me, that's sad because we relate success to the guy with the best abs or the woman with the best ass because they're just showing it all day long. And people are like, well, I want that. They must know what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, but she had ass injections. And, 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 <laughs> Those and, aren't real. <laughs> and he's using, he's using an 80% filter on his, on his, <laughs> on his sharpen mode. Trust me, that they, they work pretty well. So yeah, I, I just I, I wish society would kind of start asking the right questions. I, I really wish there was a little more quality control on social media. And I wish, because there's a lot of great 
coaches out there that people will just never know about because marketing is not their shtick. Yeah. So we have a lot of trainers who do listen to this podcast. Sure. You know, you're kind of talking about success a little bit. Sure. What for you is define success? Family's number one, definitely. Like I, I've, I've hit a grand slam on that. I mean, I've got the most amazing wife. I've got two beautiful children. I got great parents. I got a brother who's a, an incredible business partner who, you know, uh, yeah, we, do we bump heads? Sure. But he handles an aspect of the business and allows me to handle the areas that I handle on. So success to me is that I can come off to work with a team of people that I love every day and I have a family and I've got a support system that's amazing. So that's number one. Number two is, you know, I have... I have some freedom at work. I have freedom to work with some brands and build my brand and really get creative and call the shots, but not in a bad way. I, I'll, I'll still confide in with my team and we'll still have the conversation and we'll, and we'll talk. The buck stops with me, but it's still great how I've got, um, I've got a team around me that can very openly say, no, we agree with that or we don't agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for most trainers out there, I think it's the common problem of overworked no growth. They've hit that max of how many sessions they're too afraid to up their session rate with their client. Even if they up at 25 to 50 bucks a session, trust me, that'll wear off in about a year. They're going to want more. You know, it happened with me. I mean, I went from charging when I started Equinox in 99, I think I made 25 grand the first year. I mean, not to get personal. I mean, my last hourly fee was 1200 an hour to where now I have to book per month at a crazy number that I'm not even going to give. But, you know, I do that because it's supply and demand. I don't have that much of my time to be able to offer. If I'm going to go work with someone, they're going to get me and they're going to get my full attention. It's not going to be me sitting there on my iPhone while I'm training them, collecting a lot of money a month. Yeah. But I want my trainers to get busy because they're incredible coaches and I want to be able to focus on the digital and monetizing our business. So most trainers out there, you know, keep taking your training courses, but you got to sit back and you got to look at what are the areas where you're really struggling on. If you're a gym owner and you can't get leads, then you're probably not, you probably don't have a good lead generator. You've got to put some money into your sales team. Your marketing message could be completely flaked. Most gym owners will come to me and they'll, I'm like, well, explain to me your business if you're struggling. Well, when we get them, this is the, the, the common line. When we, we get them in front of our coaches, we're like 10 out of 10. I'm like, but you can't get them in, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, explain to me your approach. And they're like, well, you know, we like to take a 365 degree approach. And he starts going in and I'm like, stop, shut up. <laughs> You're boring me. I've lost interest. No one's going to care. You got to get an emotional grabber. You got to connect with this person emotionally. You're explaining your business as if it was to impress another trainer or make you feel good about yourself. You're not connecting with the person. So connect with the individual go in like you've got a whole list of businesses around the corner. When's the last time you went in and pre presented? When's the last time you've handed out free passes? When's the last time you've done a class for a firm that's around the corner or you just offered for free, get them in there. Like you're not, you're not doing the things you're going in there and you're working so hard in your business. You're not working on your business. Yeah. If you're going to give trainers two tips, so they're already like, okay, I upped my rates once. And oftentimes, you know, I feel like the trainers, they up their rates and then they get busier. Yeah. Yeah. It is true. I mean, I mean, tips, I mean, it, it really depends. What are they trying to do? Because I have friends of mine that are training and they charge a lot of money and they're just, and they're just happy. Yeah. So for me, that's success. Like yeah. I could tell them to go launch a product. They're like, I, I love what I'm doing, dude. I'm just happy and I get spent out with my family and I'm making good money and I'm like, 
don't listen to me, dude. Like, keep doing what you're doing. This is fantastic. I think it really depends on what do, what do they want to do. If they want to become entrepreneurial and they want to build a business, you got to get coaches underneath you. And to do that, even now, people come in here to see me and they end up working with one of the other coaches. And they're so happy about it because they realize, oh, my God, this guy's great. This woman's great. What do we have to do to convince them to do that? Well, I'm there for the screening and I'll walk them through the process and they might work with me for a session or two. And then one of my coaches jumps in and they realize, wow, this guy's great. This woman's great. Like this is, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's awesome. But so I think the coach really has to ask, what are they looking for in business? And then I can kind of give that answer. So if they were looking to be able to spend more time with their family, but still make a good living, Maybe it was, yes, coaching some clients, decreasing their hours. Yeah. I mean, you can always, I mean, listen, your client, whoever your client is there, they can afford to pay a coach, which means they've probably done okay. Okay. And they're, they're going to do what's best for their livelihood in their business. So, you know, if they're, if they've been working for a specific you know, whatever law firm for 10 years and they get a better offer and it's a better environment, they're going to go. Your clients understand that you've got to do what's best for your business. And if you have 15 clients and you're going to raise your rates to where you have 10 and you lose five, I think you should be prepared to have a junior coach underneath you and say, listen, I am upping my rates. I love you. I can't thank you enough, but I've got to start focusing on this other aspect of my business. I have a great coach underneath me. I want you to come in, try a session on me. The next thing you know, you start greasing someone to come in and take over that role. You know, you start making a cut off that trainer. Now, wow, you have one coach working for you. Then out of nowhere, maybe there's a 1500 square foot space around the corner that you can lease monthly and get some equipment in there and become entrepreneurial and start building a business a little bit. So, you know, I I just would like to see people focus on that a little bit. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot more they can do. I think people just get very, trainers get very complacent with what they're doing and they get very comfortable and they don't really want to surround themselves with a team of people. They always think that they can do, they, they, you know, um, if I want it done right, I do it myself. I got 10 great coaches downstairs. They do a phenomenal job. Like I'm very happy with that. I can't do the work that they're doing right now. That's 10 people times, you know, their 30 sessions, 40 sessions a week. That's a lot of volume. You know, there's not enough hours in the week for me to do that. So it's sometimes hard to get the clarity when you're like, so in it and you're doing like 40 hour weeks with clients to be like, Oh, I need to step back and like, it's tough. But most, most, most of the time when someone scales back and actually like I tell coaches, you got to start spending time on social media. And if it's you putting aside, you know, a half hour a day, an hour a day schedule, like it's a client and start going in there and attacking that as if it was a client, but trying to do it as if you, if you actually cut back on your clients and start making a little less money doing that, you're going to get really hungry because you're like, Oh my God, how long can I keep up with this for? I just lost five sessions a week by whatever they charge a hundred to 200 bucks a pop in the city. And you know, that's close to a thousand bucks. That's a lot of money for me. So when someone does that, then it forces them to kind of get a little bit of fire under their ass and have to get moving a little bit and, you know, kind of get that, get that ball rolling a little, but you know, otherwise if they're just kind of doing it and like floating around with social media, especially like you, you, you just can't like you, you have to be all in it. Yeah. What do you think about, sometimes we see clients who come in and they have a coach that's programming them from afar. And I was like, has the coach seen you, assessed you, met you face to face on Skype, something. And yeah. they're like, no. And I'm like, well then how does the coach know that like, it's tough, you know, 
it's tough. I mean, like what I do on digital is I really like, I'm not assigning barbell snatches. Right. Like, no, like I, I pu- I'll put up a tutorial video on like a swing. I'll, I'll tell people that this is, you know, let's focus on this. If you have questions, let us know because people want to learn it. So you, you throw it up, they send videos to us and you do the best you can. But if I have a hundred thousand subscribers, are we going to be able to keep up with that volume? I'll hire more people to help with it. But listen, one's one or two is going to slip through the cracks and someone's going to unfortunately do something incorrect. You know, I think it really depends on the on the program. Can you design a program for someone right now? No. Do you have any injuries? No, Don, I don't have any injuries. All right, I'm going to design for your program, and it's going to be safe, and it's going to be, you know, we're not going to get crazy. You know, we might be landmine pressing. Are we barbell pressing? No. Like, so you might get variations to where you know that it'll enable them to be successful a lot quicker. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of factors. I mean, what is that? person paying that trainer who designed that program for them it might be really inexpensive and they might be hooking them up and helping them out and it's not always bad that's what i'm trying to say but a lot of times yeah shit (laughs) (laughs) so you're known as getting the superheroes ready for the big screen the moves and the programming and the training that you give a ryan reynolds a blake lively a hugh jackman is it really different than no, or it's anyone not. else. No, it, I mean, I, I think what I'm what I'm what I'm really great at is is understanding, you know, how to adapt the programming and and uh, again enabling them to feel successful. I think a lot of the I, a lot of magic for me is in the nutrition. A lot of the magic for me is managing their stress levels. A lot of magic for the program really lies in me coming in and knowing what they need that day. It's something I've just always had i'm able to look at the 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 man the woman and just to determine we're supposed to train this today i get it i know how much volume they need according to how i see them moving the weight the speed of the bar just seeing rpe seeing how they're recovering in between sets i know when to tap them out so they're they're always progressing like they're they've they never come in and they're like well we've been getting weaker every day for the last five or six days like that's to me i know how to adapt adjust the program and i know how to talk to them to where they really have trust in that i've been working with these people for a long ryan and i've been together for 10 years you know blake and i've been together for probably eight like it's yeah it's a lot i worked with scarlett johansson for probably 11 years you know so you establish a relationship with these people and you know you can see the second they walk in how they're feeling and, and what they really need that given day the program listen the program does have something to do with it. I don't want to be completely <laughs> twisted. I mean, we could come in and if, if someone's got an aesthetic goal, if we are taking too much of a minimalistic approach, you know, there is a possibility that they're not getting enough volume. You know, you've got to also look at what someone's training age, their training history. There's so many ways to skin a cat. You know, are we building muscle by using threes and fives? Are we going with more of a Vince Geronda eight by eight on 20 to 30 seconds rest? There's so many different ways to skin a cat. So if I see someone's coming to a program and they're taxed and they're beat up, I'll find a way to create tension in the body without, you know, taking a, you know, a max effort approach. Like there's some bodybuilding approaches that we can utilize that have worked for a lot of people. How do I keep them loose and mobile? Well, the warm up. you know, I'll be spending 10 to 15 minutes with them focusing on cleaning up their screening, allowing them to warm up with movements that they need practice. As we always say that they might be weak on. And, you know, I, I do believe now that if you want to get better at something, you need to do it more frequently, Yeah. but to do it more frequently, you also have to cut back in intensity a little bit. So it really depends on, you know, what that person needs and what their approach is. And, are they coming in, like, let's say they have a goal or a shoot date that starts three months. Is this five days a week? Well, when I had, so I had David Harbor, I just trained for Hellboy. Yeah. It was a much different focus because Dave came in and I'll say it 
I'll say, you know, I love Dave, but he came in very out of shape. His back was banged up, didn't train for a while, and we had to make sure he didn't lose weight, but we had to just get muscle on him. So I remember like three weeks into the training, I think the company called me up and was like, we're going to pull the training. And I'm like, why? What's, what's wrong? And they're like, he's losing too much weight. And I'm like, guys, he started three weeks ago at 250 pounds. He weighed in this morning at 249 and a half pounds. He hasn't lost any weight. <laughs> like, his body's changing too much. We put the prosthetic arm, everything's different. His waist is thinner. I'm like, I get the point. And then like that night, he's like, what do I do? I'm like, uh, get back on ice cream. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you heard me. I'm serious. Just make sure I don't want any crap ingredients. So you could start eating like vanilla Haagen-Dazs, like, or find an organic ice cream. Like, I don't, I don't care. Cause he just was unable. Cause I knew he was unable to get the amount of calories down. We were struggling to get three meals a day in and I was like in the evening you're going to be able to just kind of up it and, and we did and we came in it was it was sweet his body looked completely different it was completely changed but it wasn't like training Ryan you know with Dave it was my whole goal with Dave was allow was allowing his body to become resilient with his goals, we weren't getting him ready for an Abercrombie shoot. We had to just make sure that well, when he came in, he, he was struggling to pull a 24 kilo kettlebell off the floor. His back was so bad. And nine weeks later, he pulled 400 pounds. Wow, nice. So like, not bad. Like, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Amazing. And we weren't even close. And that was probably an 85% pull, maybe 90% pull. And he's like, we can keep going. I'm like, you're done. He's like, why? I'm like, because if we pull, if something <laughs> happens doing a max effort single before you have to go off to Bulgaria to shoot this movie, like I'm going to be finished and you're never going to talk to me again. Trust me. There's nothing else we're going to get out of by having you go an extra 10, 15% heavier today. Right. We've proved our point. We got you where we need you to go to. Your body looks great. Your energy's up. And he went to the role and he said when he put that suit on, he felt like, I won't repeat the language, but he literally felt like he's like, F you. I could just, like he's, he's playing Hellboy. He had to feel that he couldn't feel weak. He went to that role now, you know, where the guy, you know, was benching, you know, almost 300 pounds and, you know, deadlifting 400 pounds and he was double kettlebell squatting and, you know, in the rack position, nice. strong and getting into the hole. His back is flat. Everything's perfect. I'm like, damn, all right. That's what we needed to do for nine weeks. Nice. How does that change from someone like if you're training Ryan and he has a goal? I'm curious from a nutrition perspective. Well, you know what? It's funny because you can really do that type of aesthetic training, you can do it on a low fat diet. You can do it on a high fat diet. I'm a big carbohydrate person. I got to sit and look at what they've been doing. You know, Ryan's always done a very similar diet, you know, to get ready for these roles. And I've noticed that he's been getting in better and better shape because we have taught him to be much more strength focused. Nice. And we're in the beginning, even never focused on that heavy initial lift. He understood the importance of threes and fives, which I'm really big on because I feel like it builds a different type of muscle quality and different type of muscle density. And a lot of the bodybuilders I've seen who focus on eights, tens, and twelves, even though you are supposedly in a hypertrophic rep range, which I feel like, no, we are still in hypertrophy at, well, for five reps and we're doing a six second rep, like our time under tension will be the, be the same. So I just see a different in muscle quality. Mm. You, you might see someone who just lives on tens and twelves and 15 reps. They might have those rounded muscles, but when you go and you grab them, there's a different type of tension that you're really feeling. And I feel like that when we start getting into that a little bit of that power rep range and we start feeling that load and creating tension under a bar or a kettlebell, whatever it might be, I feel like it really, there's a different level of density that's developed. Yeah. So with Ryan, that's really what we change and put a lot of emphasis into his warm up and his mobility. As for diet, I mean, it really, like I've seen people create great physiques with really high fat diets or higher protein diets and low carb diets. That's not what I agree with. What I use is I'll use a moderate to high protein 
high carbohydrate. Like I'm a really big carbohydrate person and, you know, moderate, moderate fat. Like I, I do go with moderate fats. When I got ready for my cover of muscle and fitness, I lost 10 pounds in five weeks to prep for it. And I did that on 275 grams of protein a day, 300 grams of carbohydrates and 90 grams of fat. People are like, how'd you lose 10 pounds? I'm like, cause I put myself into a deficit. They're like, what do you mean you're a deficit? I'm like, well, I was at 450 grams of carbs and I was at 125 grams of fat. So I was in a deficit. So I put myself in a deficit. I removed any cheat meal, every cheat meal that I would have had in, in five weeks, whatever it might've been, they're gone. And any little bit of alcohol I would have been drinking throughout the holidays was eliminated. And because of that, every day I woke up and I was like, my body's getting more veiny. My body's getting more veiny. And it was just sitting there and trusting the process. People just wanted like, well, I lost five pounds the first week. Let me drop my carbs more. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Like you can actually flatten out. So I wanted to do that shoot without carb depleting. Ryan, when Ryan preps, he's eating sweet potatoes and he's, you know, eating wild salmon and he's eating good quality proteins and he's, you know, watches the cheats. He'll still allow himself to a little bit of flexibility here and there. But the importance of energy, you know, when I saw him, you know, shoot a movie nine years ago and carb depleted, that's not good. We don't want that. I need everyone to treat themselves like an athlete. And I think if we're true to ourselves and we actually remove the alcohol and the cheats, you'd be surprised. You don't have to drop your carbohydrates down to 50 grams a day. You know, the ketogenic diet, there's, you know, am I, am I against it? For 99% of the people out there, yeah, I'm, I'm against the ketogenic diet. I mean, if you're talking to Ben Pakulski, who's a friend, and Ben knows more about you know physique transformation, and Ben's just trying to drop size, and he's always focused on his brain function, and it's working for him, and he feels amazing, and he's alert, and what a pleasant person, by the way. I really love so Ben. Lovely. He's such a great guy. Can't say a better thing. Ben, no, Ben, it's great for The diet's great for you. You don't need me to tell you that. But the majority of the population out there who you're drinking three nights a week, like, I don't want you drinking Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then getting on the ketogenic diet Monday to Thursday. <laughs> like, that's called yo-yo diet. That's not called cyclical, even though it no, sounds like No, it. but it's so stupid. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, people are just trying to do this as a, as a reset, yeah. and they're causing more damage to their body. Yeah. So you've trained clients over a long period of time. How do you find, you know, you're talking about muscle quality. Mm -hmm. In terms of longevity, and as people age, do you change their training? And obviously they have different goals, but if you were, if the goal was to just maintain good muscle mass to be really healthy, yeah. what would you do with someone? You know, I'm probably putting a lot more emphasis into unilateral movements, which I think most of us should be doing anyway. Yeah. I hate those things, but yes, I should yeah, be doing Yeah, but you know what? Like, <laughs> listen, the only person I really have barbell squat is me. It's like, I don't <laughs> like, but even lately I've been doing double bell squats yeah. and I, I've been, you know, I, I still deadlift a lot, but I just think that there's certain things I'll still leave in their program, but there's things I'll just put more emphasis into. And, you know, a lot of the athletes I work with are so, there's so many asymmetries in there all yeah. already. And I'm not, you're not trying to correct I'm them. I'm not trying to correct them. No, you know, Charlie and I have that talk like with them. Like if I turn around to Morgan Hoffman and I try and correct his asymmetry, that might mess his golf swing up. Yeah. But with a general pop person, if I'm working with Joe Horowitz, who's 68 years old and you know, yeah, like I'm still leaving in some of those traditional lifts, but you know, there will be a little more variability where, you know, okay, like, listen, it's okay. Like we're going to, we just, we got to get you moving around. Like I love the kettlebell. Yeah. I'm a huge kettlebell fan. I feel like it's one of the most underutilized tools. I feel like people, it just got such a bad rap at one point. 
kettlebells didn't hurt your back. They've done incorrectly hurt your back, you know, or maybe you don't have the ability to hinge yet. So we shouldn't be doing a swing. There, there's so many question marks. I know it just takes one time for someone to do it, you know, and it's suddenly, well, well bench pressing on my shoulder. No, yeah. it didn't. Like you just weren't prepped to do it. So I don't know if I answered your question there, but you know, working with a little bit more general pop and a little bit of an older population. Yeah. I mean, I think probably just more unilateral movements. Nice. Is there anything you're really excited about? Right there's now? so much, but yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about my playbook app. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I'm really, I'm, I'm well, first off, let me start here. We're having our best August ever in 13 years at Drive 495, so I'm really excited about that. August is hard in New York. So it is. in the Hamptons and no, out we've been, of town. No, we've been killing it right now. I don't, even, I don't even know what's happening. So the playbook app has been unreal. I'm just so proud of the product, and um, I just want to get in as many people's hands as possible. Garden of Life, I, I launched that Sportline product with them over a year ago. It's doing incredible. It's an organic non-GMO product, and we're doing awesome. Epicured Meal Delivery Systems, I partnered up with them. Awesome. Incredible. We just got Mount Sinai House, Hospital nice. Super Psyched. And On Running, I just signed a partnership with them last week. So I'm going to kind of launching their X line with them, which is their cross-training line. And I've got a big shoot going on with them in a couple of weeks. So, you know, it all feeds the beast. You know, it's all kind of, you know, works together. But, you know, I, I, I love it all. That's exciting stuff. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for coming. It's amazing. You're the best. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here. <laughs>